do get to that. It's time now for Gate Speed with Cody Winnell and Jason Bonington. Guys, it's over to you. Thank you very much, Matthew Nevitt, and also uh, Nick Quinn. Hopefully we can take you out the day before. What is it? It's the it's the penultimate day of 2019 with some good news. But unfortunately, before we get to the good news and reviewing what's happened in harness racing in Victoria and more broadly in Australasia over the last 12 months, we've got a little bit of sad news that's coming through emanating from the Sunshine State, unfortunately, Codes. Yeah, absolutely, Jace. Uh, just hearing this morning that champion trainer, legendary trainer uh, Bill Dixon has passed away, and Bill's obviously... Uh, trained uh, and been associated with so many winners over the years. I think more than just about anyone. I think he's had, um, just according to the database, I've got here 2,833 wins, and we know that there will be some missing from that. So, you know, over 3,000 wins for Bill Dixon. And plenty of people who follow the sport or might be new to it over the last, uh, I don't know, four, five, six years will know uh, Bill's son, Grant, very well, who's, of course, trains Colt 31 as the dominant trainer in Queensland. But the Dixon factor... The old school Dixon factor, where you had to uh, you had to make sure that that you included them in everything. That was that was uh, born out of Bill's unbelievable record. So um, we'll go through, unfortunately, a couple of other people who have passed throughout the course of 2019. But very sad to hear of the passing of Bill Dixon. And our thoughts go out to uh, to Grant and all the family. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be, of course, reviewing uh, the year, Jace, as you've just touched on there at some stage uh, a bit later on in the program. Make sure you jump onto uh, social media, get onto us on Twitter and mention any uh, things that you think were a highlight. And we'll see if uh, they come up in our headline discussion, Jace, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it too. We've created a little bit of a platform. So there's, there's so many ways you can do this, but um, Cody, you've come up with, the, I think, a rip away. We're just going to go month by month because people are going to forget what happened in February and, uh, and April. So we'll, we'll, we'll give a couple of dot points and sort of a sh- extrapolate on some of the big ticket items that happened in each month through 2019. Before we do that... I don't really, he still might be mucking at the stables, but we will talk to Andy Gath as well because there's something else that's very exciting happening. While we're still within the parameters and realms of 2019, the Mercury 80 Sprint Series, 1,200-metre races, five of them, four qualifiers, one final, and it all kicks off on that big meeting uh, tomorrow night at Tabcorp Park, Melton, which is generally as well attended as any meeting at Melton uh, throughout the course of the year. So very much looking forward to it, and in just a moment... We'll talk to Andy because I reckon he's on the line now, Cage. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge... Uh, we're going to have a huge crowd there, Bonners, tomorrow night. There's no doubt about it. I've seen so many uh, uh, people making inquiries, etc. So we've had 5,000, 6,000 people there. But this Mercury 80 concept, as you say, it's uh, extremely exciting. And Andy, welcome to Gate Speed. You'll be playing a big role in uh, Heat 1 with two runners. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So do we, for the sake of, the, uh, for the sake of this uh, discussion, Andy. <laughs> Hey, before we get to the two runners that you've got, Andy, just the concept overall, the Mercury 80, as Jason said, we've got the four qualifiers into a $50,000 final, all races over 1,200 metres, eight across the front line. Uh, what do you think of the uh, the whole series and the idea? I, I think it's a great series. Um, I'm a lover of short races. I think we should have more of them. Again, they all just get down to tempo related. Uh, I think I've won about three or four races over the short and maximum won it twice, coming from last both times. So... It doesn't really get down the barrier draws, even though it's only virtually a one-lap dash. It all gets down to tempo-related, like any race. So, um, yeah, no, I love having horses racing them, and I love watching them, and I love betting on them. And I think it's a great concept, especially going into a $50,000 race, uh, $50,000 final, you know. I think it's well done. Yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting idea. It's not the first time this has ever happened, of course. People have, I think there's been many different administrators at different times that have wanted to get 1,200 metres off the ground, and it's been a difficult thing to do. But uh, Harness Racing Victoria have taken the bull by the horns. And I reckon you're right, Andy, a wise man, I'm not going to name him, but a wise man once told me that in 1,200 metre races, 
you're nearly more likely that the best horse will win in a 1,200 metre race than any other distance because it comes down, well, you say tempo, but quite often if they are running, it comes down to pure speed. And even over 1,200 metres, the class usually rises to the top. Yeah, no, definitely. Again, they sort of, um, yeah, they're, they're great races to watch. And, uh, you know, I think they're great viewing races. And, again, um, I've been fortunate enough and won a fair few of these races over the years. And, and probably because I've had the best horse in the race, Caribbean Blast, won one as well. So, um, yeah, again, it's just sort of, um, you try and do the form around the 1,200, but I think it does get back to the best horse generally does win the race. And Andy and Jason, um, I was speaking to Lance Justice when we first announced this uh, this series. He was very confident that a horse can break the 82nd mark. I'm interested over in Andy's thoughts on this. I'm Absolutely. Uh, but, but he was saying that it needs to be a competitive race. You can't have anyone holding back. I think this year's, uh, this year's race, the Stampede, was uh, not a fast affair. They sort of dropped in the line early, and that's how it basically uh, that finished. Than Eagle, yeah. Lance said, well, I wasn't in it. That's why that happened. <laughs> Well, it, it, it's a very interesting question, Andy, because I, I, going through the stats, I reckon Coastal went 80.6, and that's mm. the fastest stampede that there's ever been. In your three wins, they wouldn't have gone close to 80, but the carrots there, isn't it? It's not massive money, but it's significant enough that I, th- I think that people are going to just uh, unleash a little bit here to try and break the 82nd mark. Can they do it? Yeah, I think so, especially if you can get two horses that really want to lead. Uh, I think, you know, that first quarter or, you know, first 200 metres is really solid, and then, you know, they sort of keep running from then. But, um, yeah, you know, Coastal was a really lovely horse, but, um, yeah, and he nearly done it, but that was a long time ago. The track's faster now, horses are faster now, so I'm sure it can be broken. And, and again, we probably need Lance in everyone. <laughs> well, he is there tomorrow night, and, of course, uh, there's also a $20,000 bonus for yeah. the fastest horse in the series. So whether you break 80 or not, there's eight grand if you can, but the fastest horse in the series, the fastest winner, will pick up twenty thousand dollars. Wouldn't cash. it be phenomenal if if, if uh, multiple uh, horses break eighty seconds, and you think you've got the twenty eight k in the bag <laughs> when you go seventy nine six on New Year's Eve, and it's not going to be good enough? All right, take us through the two runners, Van Mara and also Conan. Conan, we know Van Mara is very exposed, and he's a, he's a horse well suited to probably twelve hundred meter racing because he he'll just keep going at probably at exactly the same tempo the entire race. But Conan creates. A lot of interest has trialled recently behind Lift and Talk, and we know at his best, he's a very good horse. Is he ready to roll first up from a break, Andy? Yeah, he's had three trials, and all been completely different. The first trial, he galloped out. Then the next trial, he pulled his head off and went, set up a 152-mile rate and got tired. And then his next trial, he sat back in the field, pulled really hard, threw his head around, but he did finish off really good. He, uh, he got home in about 26.5 his last quarter, uh, and he trialled against Lift and Talk and probably trialled equal of him, who's his main competitor, I think, uh, on on Saturday night, so um, oh, tomorrow night actually, I'll get it right. Um, it's that time yeah, of year, Andy. Yeah, I know. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, um, he has had a throat operation. Um, you know, his last probably four or five runs they looked disappointing, but he had a breathing op- problem, so he's had a throat operation, which we think's rectified that problem. So I think you're going to you know see close to the best cone in there um, tomorrow night. And what about Van Mara, Andy? I mean, if the speed's on early and it looks like it probably should be over the 1,200, this horse looks really well-placed. Yeah, I think he's sort of racing probably as best he has for a long time. He's been finishing off really good. Uh, he's a good short-course horse. He, you know, a lot of his good runs have been over 1,700. And yeah, he can sort of make his own luck the last sort of 600. He doesn't need cover, and he, you know, he's always pretty strong to the line. So, um, yeah, if they do real burn, burn pretty hard early, he'll be finishing on off really strong. Have you got anything else here, Mark, for the later qualifiers, Andy, or are these two going to be yeah, the flag bearers for the team? Uh, probably beat Surge. He's nearly ready to go. Ooh. So he, he might run in a heat. 
maybe um, he's probably not quite up to him, but might give Exclusive Castle a chance that one of them will we'll just sort of see. What can you tell us about where Beach Surge is at? Because I reckon he, he, he's just about the perfect horse for a series like this. Yeah, he probably is. He probably um, didn't try as good as we hoped a couple of weeks ago. He had a little bit of a... He was probably just off-colour a little bit. So, um, yeah, he's picking back up now. So, yeah, I think, you know, if he goes around, he kind of go around in the last heat. So we'll just sort of... Probably only 50-50 at this stage, but we hopefully we can have him right for it because, you know, it is an ideal series for him. And Andy, before we let you go, we're going to be looking back in the year in uh, review very shortly. Uh, your highlight, I mean, Tornado Valley, obviously winning the uh, the Victorian Horse of the Year. That was no doubt a, a big thrill. And, of course, the Inter Dominion. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, so obviously Tornado Valley, you know, winning the Horse of the Year is always a great thrill and everything. And he had a wonderful season. But my personal highlight was Mitch yesterday, so winning the Derby. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so that's it for me. Oh, Andy, we'll let you go. And honestly, you should go and have a chat with Tornado Valley because every time we compare these two horses, Majestuoso always gets the love. And poor old Tornado Valley, who's done everything and beaten the summit a thousand times, gets treated like an oily rag. I don't know why, but... Um, uh, Majestuoso, he hates me too, Majestuoso. I can't go anywhere near him. He hates me. But I love what he does on the track. You're a typical bloke. The worse they treat you, the keener you are. It's, 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 a, big, it's a big problem. All right, mate. Yeah. Enjoy enjoy uh, tomorrow night's racing. Hopefully those two go very well for you and we'll catch up in the new year. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Terrific there to hear from Andy Gath, Jace, who, um, and also the him, him the, he's always liked sprint racing, hasn't he? He's always been mm. a big uh, sort of a fan of that. And, and I think uh, for, to, to hear him excited, that's, that's genuinely pretty cool. Yeah, and look, I mean, we have to be... Uh, Really honest, I suppose there will always be a few people who say, you know, the very the critical key to harness racing is that you know this test of stamina and strength and all the rest of it. But the truth is that we need to explore innovative ideas, and this is people will say, well, it's been done before, but it is still an innovative concept. The idea that you know the Mercury eighty got to break eighty seconds, big bonuses for fast time. You know, it's going to be electric, frenetic racing, and it is without doubt in my mind going to draw some people in to say, I want to I want to have a look at this and just see how they go. I'm watching, you know, hopefully four and five across the track for the first 400 metres burning up, mm. even though we psychologically know, and the records tell us that doing that might not be the best thing for your winning chances. You, I think many of the drivers are also going to think, yeah, but if I don't do it, I can't break the 80, I can't get the cash rewards, I can't be the fastest winner of a particular qualifier or get through to the final. So I think it's going to be great racing and hopefully it starts uh, tomorrow night at Tabcourt Park, Melton, because it's a good field. It's a really interesting field. I don't I, Doing a map for it, I really can't work out what's going to happen, but I don't think you'll find a Stampede 2019 situation where they just stack and rack. I think it'll be an explosive start to the series. Yeah, can't wait for that. So make sure you get on course at Tabcourt Park, Melton, tomorrow night. There'll be plenty of activations around the Mercury 80, speaking to some of the marketing team at HRV. So looking forward to that, Jace. What else is making news before we delve quickly into our year in review? There's uh, the Tiger Tara. Yeah, we'll get to Tiger Tara, I guess, and, and touch him a bit more when we get to December as well, but he's he's all done, and uh, I think probably the writing's been in the wall without being, you know, in indelible ink for, for a little while, that he hasn't been at his best, but I think it's 100% worth remembering. So I'll give you my guide on what I reckon makes a champion in harness racing. People will have their different views in greyhound racing and thoroughbred racing. But for years and years, I've kind of... You've got the Miracle Mile, the Victoria Cup, the Hunter Cup, the Inter-Dominion, and the New Zealand Cup. Mm. They're the big five, right? You've got to win three. 
If you win three, and it's a bit harder with the Victoria Cup now because it's not quite the race that it once was, but throughout the last 20 years or so, if you could win three, I reckon it made you a champion. Very few have done it. Uh, you know, your Blacks are fakes, um, Mr. Feelgood, Lenny the Shark, these sort of horses um, smoking up. So it, it takes a mega, mega superstar, or in my opinion, a champion to win three. And not only did he win three, but he did them all back to back to back. And he was the king of Melton, really. He was a great horse all the way through, right from his earliest days in New Zealand. But what he did through that reign of terror and the way he humbled elite opposition, I don't think anybody will ever forget what he did during that period, and particularly at a critical time for the Inter-Dominion where it was back in you know its traditional format back on the eastern seaboard and, and to smash his rivals the way he did. So uh, we thank him for the memories. Yeah, it was goosebump stuff that night, ID18, yeah. uh, putting them away like that. To back it up, just a couple of, not even a couple of months later in the Hunter Cup, yeah. extraordinary stuff. But the New Zealand Cup, he he was unlucky not to win that. Well, he he deserved it, didn't he? He could have made it four, couldn't he? Which is did all it, the work. It just tells you how phenomenally in the zone he was at the time, and uh, you know, some people will, will look back at a couple of those wins and say, "Well, he led and he booted clear," but his capacity for just sustained speed over long distances uh, at that time was just amazing. And and it is it, he was a throwback horse because in many ways back. It's changing in the trots, of course, but back in the day, you had to do an apprenticeship at the Grand Circuit. You wouldn't win in your first season on it. Then you might get close. You might get a couple of placings, and it would take you to a point where maybe two years into your Grand Circuit career, then you could start being genuinely competitive. Tiger Tower obviously took time, mm. and he, when you look at his record, they will say, well, he won't, it doesn't measure up to I'm the mighty Quinn or Blacks are fake in terms of the winning strike rate. But that doesn't dull the fact that, as I say, during that period where he was the best horse, and let's, I'll be 100% honest, I'm not saying he was Lazarus, but it was almost Lazarus-like a couple of those performances uh, at Melton. So, um, yeah, he, I've got no doubt he'll go down and finish as a champion and sort of on a par, nearly in my mind, even though his record wouldn't quite stand up with Lenny the Shark, I'd say, you know, over the, over the long journey, I would say I would nearly rate them on a par in terms of being a couple of the genuine champions of the sport over the last 20 years. Below Blacks are fake and Lazarus and, and horses like these, but very high up. But competitive, if you were to throw them all together at their best in a race, I mean, the, at his best, he was absolutely lethal, Tiger Tara. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for the memories to uh, Tiger Tara, Kevin Pizzuto and the whole team doing a magnificent job with yeah. that horse. So we've pretty much covered that part of December. Let's start, let's work backwards, Jace. Right. Uh, December, uh, ultimate snipers into Dominion dominance. For me, that was just... Uh, that was just extraordinary, and for a four-year-old to do what he did, unfortunately, he's since injured himself. Yeah, and that, and that is, you know, uh, well, a bit devastating for the sport, honestly, because you wanted to see him up against self-assured at some point. I think that the All-Stars camp would probably try and split them, but it was a freakish campaign. I mean, we go back to the fact that Natalie Rasmussen said before the incident, I've been told off the record, so to speak, which I'm now putting on the record, that he wasn't, well, I think we already knew he might not go. If Spankham had turned up, I reckon he, there's a great chance that Ultimate Sniper would not have gone to the Inter-Dominion series. I think they had grave concerns about whether he could go the other way as effectively. Not only did he do that, he turned up and he produced devastating display after devastating display. Another son of Betis delight, loving the brutality of the Inter-Dominion series. And there's no doubt, it was a great privilege for us both to be over there. And there's no doubt in terms of December, that was clearly the highlight and a great way to finish the year with his dominance in the ID. Absolutely. And then we go back to uh, November and feel free to jump in here if we miss anything, Jace. but we had the New Zealand Cup and Cruz Bromax win, which uh, we claimed as a Victorian win. 
Yeah, well, great scenes, weren't they? Danny Zavitzanos, uh, bear-hugging Adam Hamilton, throwing him over his shoulder. I reckon, I, look, I haven't seen Adam on the scales for a while. I'd say he's roughly about my way, probably mid-80s, late-80s. Yep. So no, no easy task from Danny to throw him over the shoulder, but uh, very excitable owner, a great bloke to have in the game, and a horse who probably deserved that big win because I'm not saying he would have won 12 months prior, but he would have gone really close. He just bobbled at the wrong point, lost his momentum. Uh, and he's in, he's another horse. I mean, he, he is not a champion, Cruz Bromac, but he's the kind of horse that keeps people involved in harness racing. There would be plenty of people out there that would tell you, I reckon, Cruz Bromac's their favourite horse. Yeah, agreed. Len Smith-Mole winner, um, got over there and won the New Zealand Cup. Three-time um, three time Group 1 winner overall after winning the New Zealand free-for-all the year before. So... Great horse. Absolutely. In October, uh, Ginger Gleeson, of course, honoured with the Rothica Medal. Tornado Valley, we mentioned earlier, Horse of the Year. And in news, uh, there was the announcement of Dale Brown as the new CEO. Ginger Gleeson, uh, that was a terrifically popular uh, win. Oh, it was just uh, an unbelievable feeling. I was once again fortunate to be up on stage and present uh, Ginger with his Gordon Rothica Medal. And I, my take well, there were a few take messages from the night. One, the, the crowd reaction. It was unbelievable the unanimous joy for uh, for Ginger and I love that Ginger I, I get sick of in sport people saying I don't you know it's not about me it's not about me you know you work you work your whole life towards a goal and you know Ginger basically told his peers and those who love him that night I've worked all my life and I desperately would have wanted this kind of recognition and it feels Utterly phenomenal to get it tonight. And it made you feel like, yes, it's okay. It's okay to want something big for yourself. And he got it, Ginger. And as mentioned, it was just, uh, he told some magnificent stories on the night. And and uh, it was great to see the joy in the room. And to have his family, he had no idea that the family was going to come in stage right. Brilliant scenes. And um, it, it was just, it was a magnificent night. Yeah. And, and and some big announcements that night, of course, uh, one of them being the Dale Brown, the new Chief Executive of Harness Racing Victoria. Absolutely. In September, we had the sad passing of uh, HRV board member Danny Frawley, uh, Jace, which was well uh, documented at the time um, and the work he did behind the scenes with HRV. And on a much brighter note, obviously, San Carlo and the way he returned, winning the Kilmore Cup from the breeze. Yeah, obviously, obviously Murray, uh, San Carlo's campaign didn't... Um, didn't probably bear the fruit that everyone was hoping it would after he won the Kilmore Cup, but you take nothing away from the performance that night. He sat parked, he was fresh up, and he dominated his rivals, even though Steve O'Donoghue and Beck Bartley were thinking, you'll probably need another run. He was even better. His run in the Victoria Cup was just totally unbelievable uh, the, the following month. But at, uh, it was a great win from San Carlo in a cup that I reckon over the next... I'm really hoping... We play around with the dates a little bit and over the next 10 years or five years. We can bring the Kilmore Cup back to something like what it was back in the day when it was one of the most revered races mm. in Australia. And, of course, yeah, the Danny Frawley passing was uh, incredibly sad. And we saw the outpouring of emotion from not only the harness racing community, but the racing community in general and the football community. And a, uh, a worthy reminder, particularly during this season where it's difficult for a lot of people to, to check in and make sure uh, you're okay because mental health clearly is uh, as a massive issue. So we remember Danny fondly, and we remember that win of San Calais very fondly as well. Absolutely well said. We've got about four minutes left. I might couple July and August together, Bon, and throw a couple at you here. The Breeders' Crown, I thought, be happy, Mac. That's the excitement uh, horse to follow out of that. Chris Alford notched 400 for the uh, winners for the season again. 
We saw the utter dominance of Emma Stewart in the Vic Bread night, winning, uh, I think it was five Super Series wins and four trifectas. And, of course, in the news uh, cycle, the national rating system began, which was one of the biggest things to happen in harness racing in recent years. Tick, tick, tick for all the uh, the Emma Stewart winners. Be happy, Mac. I, I haven't heard much. You probably may even have your finger more on the pulse there, whether he's, gonna, whether he's going to be right for the uh, derby. But if he does, you'd just love to see him back because he could be anything. Be happy, Mac, another superstar for the camp. But, and the national rating system, we'll discuss this more in the new year. I'm telling everybody... 100% this thing is this thing is playing a significant role it's making my life hell I had good win on uh, on Saturday night but it's a lot lot harder the races are a lot more competitive and all the data tells us it is so that is the most important thing to happen in 2019 for me the national rating system being introduced absolutely in May and June we uh had a couple of sad losses. We lost Tony Chisholm and the magical uh, story then of Batman Barry's win mm. at Tarang, which meant so much to Jason Lee and the family and the Chisholm family. We also lost Shaker Maker, Jace, age 23, and we had the Harness Jewels in New Zealand. But Shaker Maker, what an absolute freak. Oh, well, I just spoke about Cruz Bromac would be plenty of people's favourite. I reckon, yeah, in Victoria particularly, if you if you probably poll people who've been following the game for a long time, Shaker Maker would be the favourite horse of many, 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 many people. He was an absolute superstar. He himself, of course, won a Victoria Cup and an Inter-Dominion title, so well done to him. And yes, it was uh, very emotional stuff with Jason and Lee following the passing of, uh, of Tony Chisholm. Harness Jewels were good. Belle of Montana defeating Princess Tiffany was probably the highlight of the night, and it's the last time we've seen Turn It Up. Hopefully we see him again soon. And back in April, Belle of Montana, who you just mentioned, won the Vic Oaks for trainer Barry Purden, uh, came and raided that race. Buster Brady, uh, a popular horse, won the Country Cups Championship for Kima Frenning, which was a great story. And back in March, of course, we saw Spankham win the Miracle Mile for the All-Stars over the Fixer with Poster Boy running an almighty third. Yeah, um, well, Poster Boy winning the Chariots is wonderful. He was, of course, great in the Miracle Mile. Spankham probably announced himself as the superstar that we know him to be. He was very good through the Inter-Dominion series as well. Belle of Montana, I can't wait for her to take on the boys. She's got to be the dominant, dominant favourite for the Ladyship Mile and everything she wants to contest over the Summer of Glory and then moving on to the New South Wales Carnival. Uh, and Buster Brady, he's he's a head case, but when he when he was right and when he was firing during that Country Cups Championship, he was very, very good. It would be great to see him back and in the mood to win races. And, Jace, you've mentioned the poster boy winning the Chariots. Uh, also, we've talked about Tiger Tara back in February, uh, completing a huge clean sweep with the Hunter Cup. So let's finish with January. Dance Craze with a booming finish to win the Great Southern Star. That was electric. Um, and sadly, we also lost Bill Walker back in January, who uh, was a very popular trainer here in Victoria. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. Um, of course, father of Simone and was a, a man associated with a lot of great horses. And another much-loved member of the harness racing fraternity was Bill Walker. So um, very sad to lose him earlier in the year. He'd obviously been um, quite ill for quite some time, Bill. So uh, sad to lose him. And as you mentioned, Dance Craze. I'm, I saw Josh Nelms tweet um, following her last up win in the Freestone Trotters Cup that she's probably the best female trotter since... Le Cooker Archer and something about Murray, and it's very, very hard to create a persuasive argument that that's not the case, isn't it? I mean, uh, what she did there was magnificent, and the fact that she's turned up again and she's doing it again is also um, pretty special. So hopefully she can kick on, and hopefully Pat Driscoll and Anton Galino think this is an opportunity to maybe go for a a genuine international raid with her because she's the right type before she's got that speed. If we had those trotting power rankings on the website, that'd be a, a, such an interesting story to follow, wouldn't it? Dance craze back and about Tornado Valley, and we're seeing some other uh, really good trotters starting to emerge as well. Yeah, we certainly are. Closing in on Tokyo City, hopefully everybody's enjoyed our year in v review of the trots codes. 
We'll do it all again. Summer of Glory coming up very soon. Yeah, can't wait, Jace. For now, though, RSN Central is out. Hero Maples, your favourite of Tokyo at $1.75.